Gather round me crimson circles from the sphere of Sidorak. Seal this chamber and support me in the coming dire attack. Now unleash the darkling forces from the pits in which they cower. Come ye forth, storms of Satanish, Doctor Strange defies your power. My name is Conrad, along with my co-host Drew, and welcome to the 32nd episode of Stranger by the Dozen, the weekly podcast where we recap the adventures of Doctor Stephen Strange, Master of the Mystic Arts, six issues at a time. How's it going this week, Drew? Oh, you know, all right, I guess. <laughs> Ready for some uh, crazy Doctor Strange crossover action before we begin the assault on the Dark Dimension? Oh man, you know it. All right. <laughs> uh, if you're listening to this, if you're listening now, you can find the show on iTunes, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, and on any fine podcast app. You can contact the show at strangerbythedozen at gmail.com, on Twitter at strangerbythetwelve. That's strangerbythe12. On Facebook or Instagram by searching for Stranger by the Dozen or on our podcast network site, Cradoline.com. So, I, I guess I should do two pieces of recapping before we get started, Drew, just of what's yeah. happened in the last, epi- in the last um, episode or so. Alright. So, the first big one is that uh, Clea, Doctor Strange's former main squeeze... Uh, has returned to the Dark Dimension to lead a rebellion against the current ruler there, the unspeakable Umar, who, unbeknownst to her, is actually her mother and stuff, but that doesn't matter. Um, Or not at the moment, (laughs) as we'll see. But that's sort of what happened last last episode, was Doctor Strange sort of resolving to... Because Umar basically assumes that Clea is a puppet for Doctor Strange, she's been sort of attacking him, and so he's decided that now he'll lend a hand in the conflict because if Umar is going to start attacking him anyway, you might as well go. Uh, playing the whole if the shoe fits thing, huh? Like, yeah, basically. Except with like uh, proxy wars or something. But right. <laughs> The other thing is that uh, the Incredible Hulk, uh, green-skinned rampager so forth guy. Yeah, I'm aware um, of him. Yeah. yeah. He's, his um, human spirit like Bruce Banner was completely destroyed in a conflict with Nightmare. And so now... And so the Hulk basically became a rampaging savage beast, essentially. Like, I can't really talk. Just goes, does a lot of args and not really uh, putting a lot of thought into things. That and seems so, kind of bad. Yeah, so because of that, Doctor Strange has banished the Hulk to the crossroads of reality, which is... I mean, it's part of the astral plane. We'll find out more about it um, later on in the show. But I just want to point out that, uh, you know, the Hulk's been banished and he's been banished by Doctor Strange. That's sort of an important thing to know just for, for when we get to it. Got it. All right. So with that in mind, let's get started with Doctor Strange 70 from April 1985. Deadly Exchange. Roger Stern writer, Brett Blevins penciler, Terry Austin inker, Joe Rosen letterer, Bob Sharon colorist, Carl Potts editor, Jim Shooter editor-in-chief. So we start with um, Doctor Strange in the Sanctum Sanctorum, locked in there. He's casting a bunch of spells and trying to sort of make his move on the Dark Dimension, but he's having trouble getting things started. As he sort of resolves to fight this battle another day, uh, his business manager, Sarah Wolf, knocks on the door of his sanctum. And it's like, you have a visitor? And it turns out he's being visited by 
a uh, an army general and like the army general's like you know lieutenant um who like you know carries all this stuff for him basically right so dr strange greets this army guy and they sort of shoo sarah out and the general sort of and the, the general starts to brief dr strange he's like you know they set up a film strip and <coughs> start showing slides Mad Men style but so basically around the world military weapons are being um, stolen replaced temporarily by basically D&D world equivalents and then um, returned huh. after like a period of time huh. so, so like there's pictures of like Soviet troops in Afghanistan and their M16s being replaced by crazy barbarian swords <laughs> or like that that seems like a problem. It's awesome, man. Uh, a, a, a tank gets swapped out with this giant, um, like, elephant rhino kind of thing. <laughs> and a, uh, a a U.S. Navy stealth bomber is replaced by a full-on dragon. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd call that a win on their end. It's pretty awesome. But so, basically... Um, the general's like, you know weird stuff, strange. It's right there in your name. What's going on with this stuff? And Doctor Strange is like, well, I mean, it's clearly magical. I can tell you that. And the general's <laughs> like, whatever. Until he gets a phone call and sort of like, is like, oh my god, that's amazing. But then says he can't tell Strange about it because uh, he doesn't have the right clearance level. So Doctor Strange does my move where he just um, jams his hands against the guy's ears and um, mind scans him. Mind scans the general. <laughs> nice. He gets information and learns that to check something in Kansas. He flies out with his astral form and he sees that basically a nuclear missile silo in Kansas has been replaced by some sort of fantasy tower. Huh. He recognizes the architecture from... Um, hey, do you remember like maybe two episodes ago? We saw Doctor Strange in sort of a slice of life moment. Like, stop by this alternate dimension where there was this wizard... And a barbarian lord guy that was wearing like a uh, a lizard face as a cowl, basically. That sounds vaguely familiar. We sort of checked in on them momentarily last episode of the right. podcast. Right, right. But Doctor Strange recognizes the architecture as being from that reality. Uh, and he's like, uh-oh, this could be a problem. He, uh... So Doctor Strange returns to the Sanctum Sanctorum, sort of lifts the, the trance he's put the general in, and is like, okay, guys, I gotta suit up to Doctor Strange form and uh, check some stuff out. You guys stay here and be cool. So he tr Doctor Strange travels through the realities, and he comes to the planet of the barbarian guys. We sort of learn now that it's the, um, the, dimension, the pocket dimension of Kobar. With, like, the wizard Timon and various ruler guys and stuff like that. But Doctor Strange travels now bodily into this into this reality and finds, like, you know, like, like a D&D &D city, basically. <laughs> like, everything's kind of D&D &D these days, it seems like. But, like, a, a fantasy city where a bunch of orc-type dudes are working like hammers and anvils to make assault rifles and put tank turrets on top of um elephant rhinos and stuff like that that doesn't seem okay they're ba it, we basically seems like they're swapping out these weapons to do to reverse engineer them 
and then make their fantasy and, and then make them in fantasy versions to aid in a all-out assault on Earth. That seems really bad. It like, seems really, really bad. It seems ultra super bad when Doctor Strange flies to their citadel and sees that these guys have built a scaffolding around this uh, nuclear missile and are trying to figure out how it works. That seems really, really bad. They've also uh, kidnapped like some 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 nuke technicians from that silo, and are sort of partially questioning them and trying to figure out how this stuff works. Doctor Strange is like, we can't let the Cobarins have the bomb. Like that's the whole domino theory. So <laughs> he starts basically assaulting these guys. You know, there's energy energy beams are involved as are multiple copies of Doctor Strange and stuff. The usual wizard fight shenanigans. Right, like illusions, yada yada, blah blah blah. Yeah, the uh, you know the wizards fight back, and there's a bunch of big um, like the all the scaffolding falls down and of from the around the missile, and the uh, scientist guys are endangered and stuff. Eventually, Doctor Strange is um, is subdued and captured, and the but in the process, the uh, the missile falls over, and as they do, um. The technician guy is like, oh my gosh, like, that, um, you know, like, I had already, somehow it already started the sequence of the, of the, uh, of the war, of the nuclear warhead going off when you guys, um, when Doctor Strange showed up. And, uh, we're in trouble because now it's about to blow. The... That... That seems bad. Like it's really, it's really bad. The the nuke makes kind of a bzz, bzz sound, and then everything, and then all the places where we're currently at are just incinerated in white light. Oh, and the next maybe one, two, three, the next like four pages are basically just extensive explan are just. Um, Pictures of nuclear holocaust and like detailed explanations of what happens when when a, a a nuclear weapon goes off, like you know, everything within a within a couple miles are just straight up vaporized. Um, everything else is caught in a fireball and flash fried. Everything beyond that gets caught in like rain uh, in, in like fallout. Filled rain, instantly vaporized. Yeah. yeah. So, so if you aren't in, so like you know, if you survive either just the blast or the fireball, like you still envy the dead because now you die slow because of radioactive fallout and blah blah blah. And as we sort of witness this massive devastation, we suddenly jump back to the um the warlord in front of the of of the of the of the, of the uh, Kobar who's been trying to conquer the earth and stuff and he's like no what is this destruction what was that real is that truly the weapons that you have is that what this could happen he you know is, is that what could happen with these weapons and dr strange is like yes it is and he's like and and your world has how many of these weapons and dr strange is like thousands i'm told and the warlord's like madness we don't want to conquer that crazy place get out of <laughs> here like, he's like straight up like no no, no, <laughs> that's no, no, that's too no. much for us, man. We got broadswords. We don't need <laughs> we don't need a, 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 a nuclear devastation. And so he just sort of goes, and Doctor Strange um, teleports back, and is like, "All right, they'll send the uh, they'll send the nukes back. I've mind wiped everybody. It'll be fine." 
And the general's like, all right, well, you got to explain it to me. And he's like, I doubt you'd understand. You, you um, really don't want to know, man. You you're really so, don't want to know. You're so part of the machinery of war that I couldn't explain to you why they decide not to invade. Because you're like, you know, whatever, play uh, War Pigs by Ozzy Osbourne and so forth, you know. <laughs> And so, basically, the general Mark walks off in a huff, and um, Doctor Strange is like, he thinks we're the mad ones, and perhaps he might be right. And that's, like, the end. <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool, like, um, an- anti-nuclear war um, sentiment and stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you could tell that through the um, like incredibly subtle subtext of this story. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> What's funny is apparently in like a couple episode in, in a couple issues of Doctor Strange, um, some like uh, like a marine private writes in and basically says like you guys are commie pinkos and if you think that nukes are bad then why don't you just surrender to Russia right now you cowards, which is pretty like <laughs> very like 1985 kind of letter response you know what I mean? <laughs> oh man! <laughs> but yeah, that's you know. This is of the uh, of the political messages that we've seen in these Doctor Strange comics so far. Right. This this one is at least as good as that time that the Hulk um, threw a beached whale into the ocean, and we got information about contacting Greenpeace. And then <laughs> several weeks, then several months later, uh, the whales uh, kidnapped Bruce Banner and then took the Hulk to destroy a bunch of Soviet whaling ships. God, that was a good time dude marvel comics really pushing that progressive message and i they're love re- every second of it they're ready to they're ready to go man it's 1975 we got to save these whales with the incredible hulk buddy yeah dude they know what's up but hey speaking of the incredible hulk actually let's go back in time slightly to incredible hulk 301 from november 1984 crossroads Chronicled by Bill Mantlo, writer, uh, Sal Buscema, and Gary Talioc, artists, Esfid Malium, letterer, Bob Sharon, colorist, Carl Potts, editor, Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief. So, okay. <laughs> We're sort of, this is sort of the status, this is sort of the situation that we dropped the Hulk into last episode when he went to the Crossroads of Reality. Kind of just explaining what's up with the Crossroads and stuff like that. Okay. So, Crossroads Reality, um, we sort of open with this shot of this big tree with arms growing out of it, like um, arms of various uh, species and makes and models, and they're all pointing in different directions. Some are pointing with their thumbs, some have uh, Ben Grimm the Thing hands, (laughs) and then going out from the tree are just all of these different pathways that leads to doors many of them looking like mouths and stuff like that um in this sort of crazy like you know fairly i'd say steve ditko kind of situation we have the savage hulk he can't talk <laughs> he's just kind of just says various flavors of like and arg and so forth yep he he's uh confronted by what's going to be known as the puffball collective <laughs> which is basically like just a swarm of like dust bunnies that kind of talks 
and ask what's up with the Hulk, and the Hulk's like, I'm the Hulk, blah, blah, blah. Well, no, he just says, but the I'm the Hulk part is implied, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so the Hulk sort of blows the Puffball Collective th- um, away, and he just start makes, starts making his way through doorways, essentially. Uh, first one, as he walks up to the doorway, gets grabbed by uh, tentacle arms, he gets pulled through, attacked by a giant tentacle monster... And the tentacle monster then spits him out because the Hulk is not a good um, dinner. So the Hulk gets tossed back into the into the crossroads from there. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I don't I don't think like Hulk would be very good, like really chewy, you know. I mean, it's hard to eat something when it punches you back with the most powerful muscles that real that any reality's ever known, you know. Right. So Hulk gets tossed back. <clears throat> he re he encounters the Puffball Collective, which first tries to challenge him in a co- in a Puffball copy of the Hulk, and then freak him out as a Puffball copy of Bruce Banner, which eventually leads the Hulk through another door, which he finds a sort of war torn reality and like takes a nap there essentially. As he does, we cut back to our buddy Doctor Strange, who's sort of. <clears throat> comes in to basically explain the situation. So the Hulk's in the crossroads of reality, which is this huge network in the astral plane of doorways leading to different realities. He's basically decided... He's basically, Doctor Strange basically just has, has exiled Hulk to this realm, and the Hulk will... And he's just sort of... is giving the Hulk a chance to sort of try a bunch of different realities and maybe find one that he likes. <laughs> if, hey, man, here, here's a couple options. See if yeah. you, you know, feel good. Exactly. If the Hulk gets tired of any one reality, then he will be transported back to the crossroads. And, you know, he's the Incredible Hulk, so honestly, he's never really in that much danger because he's incredibly strong and essentially vulnerable. Yeah. So, Doctor Strange sort of, like, reflects on this situation and if he did the right thing. And then we go back to the Hulk in this war-torn world. He sort of finds a crowd of people and smashes them. They're all toys. Then a bunch of tanks attack him, and they're all toys, too. Smashes some buildings, and they're like sort of 2D props. And eventually we just go full Twilight Zone. It turns out that the Hulk's actually very tiny and in like a play set owned by some giant uh, space kid. And he's all purple and stuff. Yeah, well, he's a purple because he's a, he's a space kid. You know, p- space kids are purple. That's obvious. They're just, well... Yeah, I'm just throwing that out there. You know, yeah, my just absolutely. Saying. No, I think it's good information. Um, so the space kid's like, whoa, my um, destroyed city action playset has its own monster in it. This is awesome. And the Hulk's like, man, I don't want to live in some kid's playset. This is ridiculous. And he gets transported back to the um, crossroads of reality. And that's basically where we leave the Hulk this issue. You know, he's bouncing around different realities, trying to find a new home, kind of Quantum Leap style, but also kind of like... Basically, this is the the new status quo in the Hulk comics, where like he'll sort of teleport to a new reality, and then get, you know, find some sort of of, uh, thing about it. (laughs) It's it's an interesting story, but then he gets teleported back because he gets bored of that reality, essentially. So that sort of long-term setup takes us a couple months ahead to Incredible Hulk 305 from March 1985. Fancy meeting you here. (laughs) Bill Mantlow, writer, Sal Buscema, penciler, Jerry Talak, inker, Bob Sharon, colorist, Ken Bruzenak, letterer, Carl Potts, editor, 
Jim Shooter, Editor-in-Chief. So, Drew. Yes. Here's your tax dollars at work. Because, listen, even if there's a rampaging green dude threatening the world, if that rampaging green dude is also an American citizen, you can't just banish him into an alternate reality without getting in trouble. Oh, come on. Why not? Uh, that's just the rules, you know, as we see now with Doctor Strange being pulled into a Senate subcommittee to answer for his uh, actions against the Hulk. What a load. <laughs> he sort of um, lays down the situation. They believe him, or like his recent work that we saw last time with, uh, with Rom and S.H.I.E.L.D., has given him some, like, made the senators basically willing to um, believe him, I guess. But we're start, we're starting to see, like, sort of strains of what might eventually lead to civ- the Civil War in Marvel and definitely to things like the, um, the Mutant Registration Act and things like that. Like a bunch of senators being like, oh, I don't like all these super dudes out here. Stuff, and, um... You know, the, the, there's no control, and everybody's got powers, and you're just gonna, we're just gonna, you're just gonna banish the Hulk, and that's good enough for us. Like I don't know. Um. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But what gives? What gives you the right? Huh? You think you're better than me? Oh <laughs> man. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So meanwhile, in the crossroads of reality, um, d- uh, the Hulk has come across the UFOs. His long-term enemies i guess oh these jerks they are jerks like you know one of them's got a uh one of them's holding the puffball collective hostage and the rest of them are like oh we're gonna fight hulk there's a uh, vector vapor x-ray and ironclad they previously tried to slay the hulk and failed now they find themselves in the crossroads of reality they bump into the hulk and it's fight time. Um, Ironclad, who's this big dude, you know, skin made out of iron, seems pretty clear, jumps and attacks the Hulk. The two of them smash into each other with a huge karoom, which we see um, echoing across all the realities that we've, that we've bumped into it, um, up until this point. Uh-huh. And the two of them sort of fight and clash around the crossroads. Uh, time starts to dilate around them, and they sort of de-age and become like um, like little kids fighting each other, and then teenage versions of themselves fighting each other, and then back to grown-ups, and it's all pretty awesome. That, that is pretty cool. Yeah, but unfortunately what happens is as the fight progresses, even as the Puffball Collective gets free, and and Hulk just basically just starts punching the crap out of everybody, is everybody start, is all these, uh, all the UFOs, all the bad guys, start getting tossed into different dimensional doors, either with the Hulk or just on their own. The problem is that, um... And basically, with the help of like the Puffball Collective, sort of, they're being tossed into realities that are designed to kill these members of the UFOs, which is tough for them. Oh dang! So like vet, so like X-ray, who can shoot like radioactive blasts and stuff, gets tossed into a reality where there's monsters that eat radiation, gets eaten himself. Um, like Vapor, who's this kind of gas lady, like uh, the Mist is what I describe her as. If you're familiar with like Starman and DC, but basically right. a lady made out of gas. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. 
but they get tossed into this airless world where she can't um she can't survive and sort of she just starts flying around this vat like this vacuum she can't keep herself contained within the vacuum there's like maybe she'll stay she'll stay here forever maybe someday becoming the atmosphere that this planet lacks which is pretty pretty um terrifying in terms of like oh yeah we breathe air like well what what kind of air do you breathe you guys breathe oxygen and nitrogen like us now we just breathe this lady you know, this is the one lady, you know, <laughs> eternally screaming. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the um, ironclad goes through a wor- goes through the portal and falls into a world full of uh, quicksand and drowns immediately. And so, uh, so, so fun fact. Yeah. Is that as I have grown older, mm-hmm. I'm realizing that the threat of quicksand is not as prevalent as I thought it was as a child. You know. <laughs> agreed. I gotta say. Like quicksand, uh, bombs counting down, <laughs> yeah. and like actually just generally being tied to a chair. Yeah. These are things I thought I would have to deal with constantly as a uh, as as an older person. Yeah, and I've I've come across them very rarely. Yes, not zero, mind you, <laughs> <laughs> but rarely. You know, with quicksand, you're supposed to try to float. That's the key. Right, but it's not as common as i was led to believe no man well i mean also honestly mostly i was seeing quicksand as like the lives of adventuring kids you know yeah and my life my life is i do not do nearly as many exciting things as like a penny and brain on inspector gadget you know sad but, tr- <laughs> yeah, sad yeah, but yeah. true those guys go on like international trips every week that's true all right sorry about the tangent no problem man quicksand's an important issue yeah (laughs) the last one is just um vector who sort of shoots beams and stuff gets tossed onto a planet that's a constant hurricane and to survive he's just got to keep repelling everything on the planet and he'll see stuck there forever basically so we're, we end with this sort of weird thing where this like collective of puffballs is basically like, "Hey, Hulk, so we're buddies now, right? Like, where there were these bad guys, but I helped you kill them all. Like, so that's that's cool, right? Now, right? And they kind of like do like the the one armed um, side hug, basically. That's, <laughs> but, that's, that's a that's a good hug right there. But I don't know if I'd want to be friends with a bunch of murderous puffballs. I mean, maybe beggars can't be choosers when you're in the crossroad of dimensions. That's certainly possible. Yeah, man, you're in a weird place, and there's not really much else going on there. Uh, you'll take what you can get. Yeah, I guess so. Maybe you just need a uh, a friendly face or a combination of friendly puffball faces or something. <laughs> I mean, I guess it seems like like it seems huggable, I suppose. But let's leave the Hulk in the crossroads of reality. We'll come back to him later in the episode. But instead, let's get weird with the Fantastic Four. Oh yeah! Oh man! <laughs> it's Fantastic Four number two seventy six from March nineteen eighty five. Suffer a witch to live. Uh, John Byrne, script and pencils, Glenis Wine, colors, John Workman, letters, Michael Carlin, editor, Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief, and introducing the inking wizardry of Jerry Ordway. <laughs> I love, al- I love alternate talk. credits. That's my big move. <laughs> so, story opens up with the uh, Human Torch flying around. He's in love, buddy. It's real nice. He makes a, uh, a flaming heart. 
<laughs> the skies of Manhattan and stuff. And people on the ground are freaking out. Ah, uh, you there. You, this is like minor stuff, man. Like, <laughs> just fire falling from the sky. Like, yeah, you're used fair. to, like, that's entirely fair. defeated dudes in power armor falling from the sky. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, a little bit of, like, of like soot is nothing compared to, like, your car getting crushed by a spider slayer or something like that. <laughs> um... But so we see, and like, I don't know, I, I didn't really read the Fantastic Fours before this, so I don't know how much of this is like a surprise. But basically, uh, Johnny Storm, the Human Torch, is dating Alicia Masters, who we'll all remember as the Thing's blind girlfriend. Wait. Oh yeah, and he's, they're, they're super in love, it's good times. Uh, okay. The pro- see, okay. <laughs> Uh, Doctor Strange hasn't had to deal with this because he's not popular enough. <laughs> but in th- at this point in early 1985, we're deep in the Secret Wars, which is basically there's this dude. He's called the Beyonder. He's got kind of a mullet. He um, kidnapped all the popular um, Marvel, ca- all the most popular Marvel characters, <laughs> and all right. had them fight it out, sort of in a series. I believe in a series of scavenger hunt things. Um, but they sort of fought it out. You know, it's definitely most famous for there being a um, a thing that makes clothing in the Beyonder's planet that makes the symbiote suit that Spider-Man wears that eventually becomes Venom. Uh-huh. And it was also sort of a, supposed to be a tie-in to an initial run of uh, Marvel superhero-like uh, action figures and stuff. Oh, okay. So it's all the... But basically, you know... If you if you if you're an Avengers guy or a uh, uh, X Men guy, all your favorite characters have been in the fan, in the in the uh, Secret Wars for a little bit. As has the Thing. While the Thing's been away, the Fantastic Four filled out their uh, person who punches things very hard and is hard to kill roster with She Hulk, which I always appreciate. Oh, that's that's a good pick. Very Hulk heavy uh, episode. This uh, this episode of Stranger by the Dozen. Yeah, both, no kidding. Both She. And He-Hulk. But so, uh, Johnny Storm makes out with Alicia Masters, who's cooking besides, um, and has is making candle-lit dinner, which is very nice, because she's blind, so she, she doesn't need a candle. You know, it's always romantic and dark for her. Because um, Conrad's being a jerk <laughs> to blind people, like today, I guess. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, She-Hulk is um, using some of Ben Grimm's patented uh, futuristic workout devices. And increasing her super strength and stuff as uh, she flirts with Wyatt Wingfoot, Johnny Storm's, uh, you know, Native American buddy who's now just sort of just a general kind of uh, gym rat kind of guy, I guess. He no longer wears sort of like, oh, I'm Native American, so I got to wear this uh, headband with feathers all the time like he did back in the 60s. But right. Now he's, now he's just some dude hanging in a gym. Exactly. <laughs> Which yeah. is, I feel like a step forward. I don't know. That seems good. Yeah, so we cut now. We cut to uh, Bellport, Connecticut, where I'll just tell you that um, Sue Storm and Reed Richards are pretending to be uh, suburban regular folks and trying to fit in with suburban neighbors to have a regular life to raise their son Franklin. They're having a big shindig. And the funny thing about the shindig is that all the people, or like, you know, like a a neighborhood party, and everyone who's invited to the neighborhood party is like an old comic strip uh, person. 
Oh, yeah, look at that. So, you know, they've mostly been... So there's like this one panel where everybody's been, where all the all the characters have been sort of uh, humanized, I guess. But you got like a high, like High and Lois, the Lockhorns, Blondie and Dagwood, and uh, Dagwood's neighbor Herb, uh, the dad from Dennis the Menace. Uh, later on, I believe, uh, like there's Dick Tracy in there or something. But you know there's a there's like the uh the old guy from gasoline alley i from what i read in like the wikia it's the middle old guy not the oldest old guy from gasoline alley but i don't know that one that well okay but whatever it's kind of you know it's it's a joke it's kind of these here these comic book guys that are um read you know that that are reading reed and sue's like neighbors in suburbia basically (laughs) meanwhile across the way local neighborhood snoop Alma Chalmers is spying on the house with binoculars and in her study is um, occult expert Elizabeth Cromwell who's come to investigate her suspicions because she thinks those no good Benjamins, that's uh, the name that Sue and Reed have taken on, are up to no good. So it's basically uh, it's basically bewitched, you know? Yeah. But uh, with for no... a second there, yeah. for, for, for a hot second, I thought it was going to be Miss, Mr. Chalmers, in which case I was going to say, oh, Super Nintendo Chalmers. Ah, close. <laughs> <laughs> no, instead, this is just a lady who has apparently lost her husband, so she can't say, Abna, Abna. She's turning the, she's making the dogs fly around the house. Or whatever <laughs> happens on, on Bewitched. That's basically what happens on Bewitched, if you guys never watched Sunday at Night. <laughs> so, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, after the party the reeds are like oh i think we fooled them pretty good no one thinks we're the world famous fantastic four which is uh, good for us the uh you know reed starts taking out the uh the trash as um sue puts uh, strips down and brushes her teeth because that's you know how you do when you're a superhero and oh they're under attack from from a Eli- from elsbeth cromwell who um refuses to believe there are protestations that nope, we're the Fantastic Four, and instead she's like, nope, you're demons. Gonna have to exercise uh, you. What? Yeah, even after Reed Richards like stretches his arms out and is like, nope, I'm a, uh, I'm Mr. Fanta- I'm Mr. Fantastic. Uh, listen, like, lady, I'm I'm not a warlock. All right, just throwing that out there. That's just what a warlock would say, Drew. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to take you down with ironclad witch hunter logic, but she makes a good point. <laughs> okay, sure. Also, um, I want to just... So, when we first meet uh, Sue Storm in this comic, she's wearing, like, a red wig, which makes sense because all Marvel women are at, at their heart redheads, according to Stan Lee and Stanley's weird stuff. But... <laughs> um, when Sue Storm gets to her regular hair, her regular hair is like the most 1985 haircut I've ever seen, where it's basically like really short, except for it's it's basically like a uh, a femme mullet, a lady mullet, where yeah yeah like there's like sort of sort of you know there, there's party in the back and. The front, there's kind of a little, like, forelock thing that comes down on the front of her head. But otherwise, it's basically, like, really short blonde hair. It's weird looking. No, it is. With Without any... No, it's super weird looking. But so, basically, uh, Reed and Sue try to fight 
um, El- <laughs> try to fight Cromwell and oh yeah, and and Elizabeth Cromwell I should mention is sort of this like she's like a lady she wears sunglasses she's got white hair and like a ponytail and wears like a sort of a business suit and shouts at them <laughs> and her like exorcism attempts and stuff her like um like I'm gonna prove you're a demon and I'm summoning things to fight you and stuff are hecka evil <laughs> like she banishes Sue to the bottom of a fiery pit and like demonic hands grab um Reed Richards' arms when he tries to reach them yep she like summons a bunch of fiery demon guys like a demon knights to um attack them and stuff and it's just like this lady seems pretty dang evil <laughs> just yeah, she, in terms of how her powers present you know what I mean yeah, I mean, listen, like, pot calling the kettle black here, jeez. Exactly. There's a, um, Franklin Richards comes down and try, and like, is like, Mom, Dad, what's going on? What's with the, all these explosions that have wakened me up from my little kid bed? He runs down, and there's a huge explosion that, like, knocks him out, and he, like, sort of, you know, falls down and starts bleeding and stuff, which is like, uh, Sue's not going to be happy about that. <laughs> Meanwhile in the fiery wreckage that used to be their front lawn. Um, well, you know, there goes any, like, you know, any chance of them, like, passing this off as just something. Yeah, they're going to have to find a whole new neighborhood full of uh, comic strip icons to try yep. to fit in. in. And There's... then, um, then Reed Richards basically says the exact same thing that we just said. <laughs> like, you're unleashing all this hell stuff, Elsbeth. Could you not, in fact, be um, touched by... Like, couldn't you be the witch in- instead? And she's like, what? I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> but as these demon knights punch me in the face and I see that I've, like, really messed up Franklin Richards, <laughs> like this this little kid that has been um, hit by this big explosion, I'm starting to think you guys might be right. <laughs> And as she does, as she figures this out, <laughs> from the flaming roof of the Richards' house bursts forth Galder Mephisto. <laughs> I am the final punishment, the final doom. You know, they were just trying to have a nice life out in the suburbs, maybe have a nice dinner party, and nope, come in and ruin everything. It's tough, man. And Doctor Strange, um, finally, <laughs> hanging out in Greenwich Village, like trying to uh, meditate uh, freaks out and is like ah, something's going on in Connecticut I gotta fly out something's happening in the suburbs puts on the uh, cloak of levitation flies out it's Doctor Strange time but it's Doctor Strange time in Fantastic Four 277 from April 1985 back from beyond John Byrne, story and pencils, Jerry Ordway embellishing, Glynis Wine coloring, John Workman lettering, Michael Carlin editing, Jim Shooter editor-in-chief. So, Drew, as you yes. look through Fantastic Four 277, here's something to keep in mind, all right? All right. Uh, Byrne is trying to be very fancy in this issue of the comic book. <laughs> okay. He's previously done this before with, like, um, editions of the comic that, that are supposed to, of uh, the Fantastic Four that are supposed to be read, like, sideways. Like with like the uh, stapled side on the tops, so and you sort of fold them from the up from the bottom, so it's just like all the arts, you know, you just read it as a sideway as a landscape instead of a portrait, basically. Uh huh. This one isn't like that, but it is fancy <laughs> because there's two stories going on in the course of this comic. One sto- one story involves 
the Human Torch, Ben Grimm, She-Hulk, all that sort of love stuff. Um, and that's on the top of the page. And then on the top half of the page. And then there's the continuation of Doctor Strange and the uh, Mephisto stuff. And that's on the bottom half of the page. I'm just going to go ahead and say this right now. That's ridiculous. It's real hard to follow. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it, it, because the stories never, like, cross over at all. So, and they don't... Honestly, they don't even really have very have super similar beats for the most part. It makes it a very weird um, like attempt to be fancy with this comic book. Essentially, like I think it's it's an interesting concept, especially if there was a point where the two um, halves sort of merge and maybe you saw the same story from different perspectives on the different sides or something like that. I mean, that would be pretty cool, but but that's not what this does. Yeah. <laughs> At like to the point where like. In, like, synopsises and stuff that I read, they just sort of tell each story individually as opposed to telling the same beats of each story. You know, telling, huh. like, f you know, these two things happen at once. Instead, they're just like, it's the New York part, and then here's the Bell Points part, you know? So, whatever. The thing comes back from Battleworld. He's done with uh, with the events of, the, of, of Secret Wars 1. And he just sort of goes home. He's like, oh, I should go see my girlfriend, Alicia. Uh... And, who should open the door but a shirtless Johnny Storm? Oh, man. Uh-oh. So, pretty classic, um, but if brief, uh, thing, Human Torch fight. Then Alicia comes out and uh, slaps the thing. You know, not that it hurts him uh, in reality, but, oh, it hurts, hurts, hurts his heart, hurts his thing heart. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, something weird happens with the sun. There's like a, a red moon. Some guys uh, 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 tap some mana, and now all non-standard lands are mountains. And okay, as, got it. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a magic joke. And, um, <laughs> and uh, you know, thing, uh, thing, Human Torch, and at least you go to investigate. They find a lady who's actually a dire wraith, and, you know, the thing takes him out. And there's a lot of, like, uh, act, you know, quick action, a lot of rap, then some quick wrapping things up with um, members of S.H.I.E.L.D. and stuff. And if we sort of end with She-Hulk being like, oh, I better pack up. You guys probably won't need me on the Fantastic Four. Now that the thing's back, the thing's like, hold on, I might be back on Earth, but I ain't coming back to the Fantastic Four. What? And uh, that's it for that story. Meanwhile, <laughs> uh, Doctor Strange flies into Connecticut and finds laid out on the ground the dead bodies of uh, Reed Richards, Sue Storm, Franklin Richards, and Elsbeth Cromwell. It's bad times. Meanwhile, um, the and the uh, the neighbor lady is like, I told you they were up to no good, and Doctor Strange is like, Hey, like several people are dead, Alma Chalmers. You're no Super Nintendo. Yeah, Super Nintendo Chalmers. Yeah, we find out that uh, we we uh, cut to hell, which I always appreciate as a cut. Like, meanwhile in hell. Oh, nice. Sue Storm and Franklin Richards are being tortured by Mephisto. There's a really awesome picture of Mephisto grabbing Reed Richards by the face and like stretching him out like silly putty. That I think is really awesome. 
<laughs> and it's just generally sort of Mephisto being a jerk to everybody in hell, and they can't really die down there because, you know, it's hell and stuff. Right. Uh, Doctor Strange teleports in, yells at Mephisto for being a jerk, as is usually the case. He quickly finds Franklin Richards locked in a uh, diamond, and fr- which he quickly, f- which he, f- or yeah, Doctor Strange finds Franklin Richard inside this crystal thing. Doctor uh, Doctor Strange frees Franklin, and then Franklin, who, so Franklin Richards has like these latent superpowers kind of thing. He hasn't figured them out yet. But, yeah, isn't he like a like a, a delta mutant or something like yeah, that? Yeah, man, he's he's ultra powerful. This you know, yeah. but he's just a kid, so he doesn't have a lot of like control and stuff. But waking up in hell, finding his parents endangered, and Mephisto right in front of him summons up some crazy eye beams that blast the holy crap out of Mephisto. <laughs> like a whole bunch. <laughs> to the point that Mephisto is like fine, um, Stop blasting me with your crazy eye beams. You guys can be alive again. And so, um, you know, and that happens basically. Like, they, uh, they, uh, th- the three of them wake up and are like, oh my gosh, we're still alive. And the, and, and Reed's like, hey, but how come, um, how come Elizabeth Cromwell isn't coming back alive? And Doctor Strange is like, nope, she's dead. No, like, That's like, just how it legit goes. Legit dead. Like, yeah. super dead. Yeah, she's shoot dead. And then he, uh, Doctor Strange, then uh, yells at, um, at 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 Miss Chalmers for sort of forcing like three quarters of this group to go to hell and one of them to die, like just because of your meddling. And we get a big a big mora about not being an, a, a nosy neighbor, essentially. <laughs> and that's how it goes. Awesome, um, crazy Fantastic Four action. I know you like it, Drew. Yeah, everyone loves yeah. that Fantastic Four. Yeah, sure. Hey, speaking of the Fantastic Four, or at least part of them, let's go to a Marvel Fanfare 20 from May 1985. The Clash, a Starlin, Novak, Shield, Milgram, Shooter production. So you, so you, you may remember uh, Marvel Fanfare as being this sort of a glossy ma- uh, a magazine comic book? Yeah, like... Like the high quality stuff. Yeah, it's it's a real fancy, and it often has stories that are sort of that they that they give to um, like art like maybe artists that aren't part of the main Marvel stable and are just kind of like hey here's sort of a semi continuity you know make a story that's not in the continuity or semi on continuity and just sort of have fun and do your thing, which is what's happening here. Um, it sort of opens with. Uh, the thing, Ben Grimm, and this is sort of after he's cut. Basically, this takes place right after um, the events of the Fantastic Four. Soon after them, he's not a member of the Fantastic Four. He's just sort of walking the streets, doing his thing. Comes across a lady being mugged, uh, beats up the muggers, or beats up the mugger by jamming a trash can on his head. But then sees that the lady that was being attacked is like this homeless lady. She lives in like sort of a makeshift ha- house from like dumpsters and old mattresses and boxes and stuff and the thing is like jeez like human suffering am i right and as he sort of reflects on that he suddenly meets he suddenly sees a uh, a huge glowing doorway with dr strange's face on it like hey ben Grimm, i need your help you gotta come through this mystic doorway and uh, and uh, ben Grimm's like this sounds like a terrible plan, but I will still do it because I am a heroic um, orange rock man. 
as he steps through the doorway, he finds himself in an alternate reality. You know, your standard f- uh, floating flat rock in the middle of nothingness. Yeah, weird space type area. A whole bunch yeah. of weird looking dudes all around. Yeah, yeah. Sur- surrounded by uh, fighting demons with Doctor Strange uh, crucified to a big X. No, this is all pretty standard stuff, man. Yeah, ba- you know. It's the standard stuff when you walk through a blind gateway that Doctor Strange has summoned, honestly. <laughs> so, the thing, and in fact, the thing is, it, it is barely phased by all of this because he just sort of, as the uh, alien tough guys threaten him, he's just like, Strange, what in the Sam Hill is going on here? And who are these bozos? <laughs> which is pretty funny um and dr strange sort of begins his uh backstory so here's here's the problem with this story drew so where's the hulk right now as far as you know the hulk is in the crossroads kind of walking around and stuff and he's like a mindless brute right right hey so uh what are the defenders up to these days drew what are the defenders up to these days? I mean, well, basically, is uh, is Doctor Strange Na- and Namor a me- um, members of the Defenders? <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure they're not allowed to be a part of the Defenders. Right. Hey, and like we saw, like Hellcat and uh, Damon Hellstrom get married and retire from superheroing, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which makes it weird that in the flashback, Doctor Strange says, "Oh, I was monitoring." The Hulk in the crossroads of dimen- and the crossroads of realities, and it looked like his human form had started to reassert himself. So I, I teleported him back to Earth along with a bunch of my defenders buddies who kind of have dealings with the occult, so we could figure things out. This is like a terrible retcon because basically, we like in the flashback we cut to sort of the Sanctum Sanctorum with a defenders team that's basically from like. Defenders 115 or something like that. Like some sort of pre-end of the Defenders Defenders team. You know, it's like Doctor Strange and Namor and Valkyrie and Hellcat, Son of Satan, Gargoyle, all those guys. But, again, is like some combination of heroes here that aren't allowed to be yes, part of the Defenders? absolutely. And plus there's no way that the Hulk's human side could reassert itself. It was completely, like, shredded to pieces by... um you know, in the confrontation with Nightmare and stuff. So, basically, this is, like, a story that was written in, like, 1982 or early 1983 or something like that. And it's sort of either sat on the shelf or they just decided to slam it into current... Con- to, like, put put two sentences and voiceover to make it fit in, con- in current continuity, which is ridiculous. They could have just had, like, a little bug in the bottom of the screen saying, like, this takes place... In between these two issues, but they decided not to. It's a bad yeah. choice. It's a bad choice. It's not going to come up too much, but this thing is just sort of like, I don't know. We're doing so much, like, you know, I, I read a bunch of websites and do a bunch of things to try to make this podcast be sort of chronological in terms of, like, what th- what's possible and what isn't, you know? Right. And this is the kind of thing that's, like, <laughs> the creators not caring a ton about that stuff. <laughs> and messing up sort of uber nerds that care more than the actual creators do sometimes. Dang, I am offended. I mean, it happens. Like, you can't expect... Like, you know, there's always some thing, some situations where the nerds care more about it than care more about, like, minutia than the than the creators do. That's sort of how it goes with this stuff. Listen, listen man. Listen, listen. I do care. I care a lot. And I care deep. Listen, I'm just saying that 
um, in this one itchy and scratchy um, cartoon, the uh, scratchy or itchy played scratchy's uh, ribs like a xylophone, and he hit the same rib and it made two different sounds. Are we to believe this is some sort of magic rib that makes multiple sounds? I hope someone was fired for that gaff. Anyhow. <laughs> Basically, Doctor Strange has summoned a bunch of his buddies to do mystical stuff. He casts some spells, but then it's too late. He gets sucked into a mystic realm. There's a bunch of these demon guys, and they're led by Xandu. Oh, man. Oh, Xandu? Oh, this yeah. guy. Oh, man. He's got his, uh, got his cowl, got his monocle, got his goatee. He's threatening Doctor Strange. He's got this thing called the Ruby of Domination. He's going to use it to uh, conquer the Earth. Um, but first, he's got to, uh, you know, take Doctor Strange out of the way and stuff like that. Anyhow, well, with one thing and another, Xandu threads to conquer the Earth. Doctor Strange is trapped. To um, he he has to find someone to help him uh, free uh, free himself from the situation and stop Xandu. Who's to do it? Ben Grimm. Only choice. I mean, so, there are worse. There are worse choices you can make. Totally. So that brings us sort of back from the cold open to the present, basically. <laughs> and Ben Grimm's like, all right, <laughs> like, I'm tired of all this. I don't want to be, I'm tired of you being every, of being someone's punching bag. <laughs> I'm fed up with just being someone who you call on the phone and I show up and it's clobbering time. Like, I'm a man. I may be made of orange rocks, but I still um, have my own life. <laughs> And I'm not just the guy that beats people up for you, Doctor Strange, all right? Get out of here. I just quit the Fantastic Four for the same reason. Um, and so they're like... And so the uh, the demons are sort of slack-jawed about this. They're like, uh, so we aren't fighting? Like, what's going on? And then, uh, and then the thing just starts punching everybody. Because <laughs> he's not doing it because Doctor Strange is asking him to. He's just kind of frustrated. <laughs> He's so, just really fed up with the entire situation. Yeah, so he's gonna—he's just gonna let out his anger on in the in the uh, punch in the, in the punched faces of all these demon guys. So starts punching all the demons, sort of mob on him and stuff. But he's you know he's the thing, so you can just sort of like so you're like get out of here, I'm like God, you guys are jerks, doing a lot of like just throwing people around. Eventually, he does the uh, the Captain Kirk uh, double fist hammer blow kind of move. But he does it on the ground and sort of like separates out the floating island that they're on so that he and Do so Ben Grimm and Doctor Strange are on one side, the demons are on another. Except for this one little demon who um, stabs Ben Grimm in the back and he just like. <laughs> and Ben Grimm just like jams this guy into the ground, basically. <laughs> like, you're being a jerk. <laughs> like, what are you doing? And then Ben Grimm, and so eventually the thing, like having beaten everybody or separated them, like rips out, rips open the cross and frees Doctor Strange. And Doctor Strange is like, "Okay, guys, or okay, Ben, we got to go back to Earth. I'm gonna stop Xandu's plan. Um, it's very likely that he's got a uh, one, at least one of the defenders um, pr protecting him. That'll be, be stopping our work. So get ready for that." And you know Ben Grimm's like, listen, like I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to do this. <laughs> can't, can't you call like the Avengers or the X Men or any of the other thousands of super teams in the Marvel universe to help? And 
Doctor Strange <laughs> says, nope, like the the ruby of Dominion has made it so that only um, only you can help out with this. Everybody else is going to be controlled by its evil influence. <laughs> so, you know, they, tr they, they teleport to New York, walk around, everybody's frozen in place because of this magic gem. They come through the Sanctum Sanctorum, and there they find Xandu working on the ruby, and, ah, uh, no... Why couldn't it have been the Hellcat? Why did it have to be the Hulk? So, next week, the Thing versus the Hulk, the fight you always love to see. And that's the Marvel, and that's Marvel Fanfare 20. Oh, yeah. Continue right. in, in 21. And that's the comics for this week. What do you think, Drew? I thought there were some pretty fun um, stories this week. Yeah, that's pretty good stuff. Especially, like, you know, the Thing just being the Thing and being like, I really don't have time for any of this grumpy thing is really like you wouldn't think it but it's a really good character because no. it's grumpy definitely thing how thing. yeah it's definitely how i would feel if i was a giant rock man and then everybody made me like punch things for them you know <laughs> like <laughs> that's a frustrating life to live you know what i mean <laughs> yeah and i thought like the the solo strange with the uh nuclear the anti-war message was kind of interesting but in the end I'll be super stoked when we get this stuff out of the way and we go to the war in the dark dimension, buddy. That's going to be the real stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you'd like to contact the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. You can send me an email at strangerbythedozen at gmail.com or interact with the show on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Stranger by the Dozen and on Twitter at strangerbythe12. That's strangerbythe12. Um, you can also find us on our podcast site at cradleline.com. During the week, I'll post a bunch of images and quotes from this issue, for from the issues covered this week. So keep an eye out. Stranger by the Dozens on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, and any other podcatching app. Tune in next week as the Thing and the Hulk showdown once more, and then we finally head to the Dark Dimension for the revolution against Umar. Roger Stern ends his awesome Doctor Strange run on our next episode. Until then, faithful listener, I say back ye forces most accursed get ye from this blessed place flee before the light untainted born of the all-seeing face hands of oster hordes of hogoth heed my call empower my spell that the day that that the powers which oppose me be returned to where they dwell my name is conrad and for my co-host drew this is stranger by the dozen May the Vishanti guide your path.